You're listening to the Green Majority Radio Program. We have a, uh, a very non-traditional show for you this time. We have uh, Barbara, who's come back on, who's basically going to give Stefan and I some live therapy. That'll be interesting. Uh, uh, just with sort of dealing with the state of the world today, she was uh, requested to come back. She was on after the, the, uh, after the original uh, election, and uh, we've had her on again. We will have her back in the future. We hope you enjoy that. If you uh, enjoy this type of content or the rest of our content, you can let us know. Uh, but either way, we would very much appreciate it if you could take some time uh, to become a Green Majority member. Uh, 5 10 15 $20 really helps get us forward here as far as what we're able to do. Uh, we, we need some equipment. We need some more uh, stuff, and I would actually like to hire somebody to help with the program so we can really up our game. Uh, however, you can sign up for as little as a dollar, and even just doing that sort of uh, uh, it may not be a lot of money, but it just sort of shows us that you're committed and, and seeing that name pop up there uh, really makes us feel good and, and helps our emotional stability, which is really what today's show is about. So please consider doing that. You can go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Green Majority and do that today. Enjoy the show. Welcome, you're listening to The Green Majority here at CIUT 89.5 FM, live in Toronto, or possibly one of our wonderful community radio partners all the way across the country. Uh, could be at uh, National Observer, Rabble.ca, some random website that posts our shows and doesn't tell me until I get a Google Alert message. You are all welcome, <laughs> and welcome to the show. Uh, I'm joined uh, above as usual, uh, thankfully, despite his incredible busyness, always <laughs> makes time for our Stefan Hossetters here, and Barbara Eroshna. Mm-hmm. Nailed it, didn't I? Well, you did pretty good. <laughs> for, for, for someone who doesn't speak Russian, I nailed it. Yeah, you did okay. <laughs> uh, is going to be joining us uh, uh, th- possibly throughout the show, but largely in the middle of the show. Uh, Barbara came in. The show, if you missed it, uh, was right after the election and uh, helped Stefan and I when we were feeling... Pretty out of it, I think, from the from the impact. Uh, Barbara's back. We're feeling a little bit better, but not all the way better. So Barbara's here to help a, a little bit out with that. Um, yeah, I don't know anyone who is feeling all the way better. Yeah, I don't say. think anyone who is like really depressed by yeah. Trump's not, and then now after two months, like actually this is going pretty <laughs> this well. This is not so terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Said no one. Yeah, no one. No one believes that. Yeah. Yeah, there's usually some outliers, but no, I haven't. I haven't met them yet. I haven't met the the like person who was like, well, I you know, I, I voted for Hillary, but he's not so bad. I don't know that person. No, I don't think that person exists. No, I don't think so. I don't even think Trump thinks that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're gonna not talk about Trump until we get to Barbara. I think we're gonna try and avoid it. Um, mm. because that's going to be, we're going to basically combine, um, some sort of like live therapy basically with a little bit of Trump news. We're going to wrangle that all together. That's in the middle of the show. I have a number of stories, uh, from across the country here talking about various, uh, regulators and them being failures at their jobs, uh, coming up later in the program and rare at some point, I may stick it into, uh, Stefan's section, but a rare, like, I'm actually okay with that, uh, recommendation by the Canadian oil industry. Ooh. Drums, I know. Yes, I know. That's like that's like bigger news than than perhaps anything else that's happened. This that week. might be. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound terrible. <laughs> that's that's the best the best endorsement you're going to get from me today. Uh, but uh, before we get to that, Stefan's going to be in charge. So take it away. Thank you so much. Uh, so we were the so this week uh, hosted two things that we normally would have no business talking about, uh, which is the Grammys and Valentine's Day. 
Neither of these things make any sense to be on the show. However, both of these things are the subject of the first part of the thing I want to talk about. Uh, mainly because there was a, a Valentine's Day card uh, given not exactly to – I guess to everyone, to given to myself, uh, but also everyone else in this room and really all of Canada and perhaps the world. Um, on And it got me thinking about sort of where we stand today in with pipelines – and with the oil and gas industry in Canada. So the Valentine's Day comes from the Alberta NDP, uh, which is a, you know, which is the the left wing, the quote unquote left wing government uh, that uh, that that is currently in charge of Alberta. About as, as they're as, as left wing as Alberta can handle, and even still, Notley is getting a bunch of terrifying death threats, which is ludicrous um, and should be condemned by all parties, especially the Wild Rose Party, because this is kind of on you guys. Um, however. Uh, she uh, still, despite all this negative attention, has given us all a Valentine's Day card, and it reads has a picture of her uh, and uh, and like sort of a, a soft background of of, of sort of pink uh, and, and and sort of pastel-y kind of colors mm. uh, with hearts, and it says "Building a pipeline to your heart," and it has a picture of a pipeline <laughs> and then a heart there, and I saw this, and what's great about this is it. I think it encapsulates something that I have, uh, I have been sort of feeling, and I, and it, it, it has brought more to a head, which is just how um, I know that, like more often than not, environmentalists are accused of being out of touch from, like you know, rural, uh, you know, rural cent, rural areas, or, or 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 especially at least Alberta because of how oil dominated it is. But the idea to make this this Valentine's Day card. I think comes from a level of so out of touch uh, from what the conversations that are actually being had in in the world right now um, that it speaks to me in a way that's sort of like it's almost like it, it's like it's kind of cute in the sort of oh person who doesn't understand how the world like is is moving is still desperately holding on to how the world was. And this isn't to say, of course, that oil companies don't have – don't remain to have all of the power uh, and don't remain to, to sort of you know, have this overarching control. But, I, but at the same time, I can't help but feel that this is sort of a, like a symbol of this, of this, of this, of this fading industry. Mm. Um, and, and the reason why I, I, I brought up the Grammys is because I think the, – the, because at this point I think that – and this is a, this is a claim that I, I'm not like I'm making a claim here, which the numbers are still like you know this is a 10 to 15 year argument, not a this is immediately true argument. But I think pipelines are kind of like the Grammys, and the reason why uh, is that for the past couple of years the Grammys have been desperately trying to prove that they're relevant while completely proving that they're irrelevant every single year. Mm. Um, for those who don't know, uh, this year they gave the best album to Adele, who then said, you're wrong. You should have given it to Beyonce. <laughs> and when the person who receives your award doesn't want it. tells you you're wrong and tells you to give it to somebody else, perhaps it is time to start thinking about the way you're doing things. Mm. And perhaps it's time to start admitting that maybe, just maybe, the way the world worked when you were, you know, a hip young a hip person who understand how the world works or who is being influenced by the world um maybe maybe that's maybe the world has changed 
Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I remember this. Uh, one of my favorite Simpson quotes comes from uh, the grand, grandpa Simpson uh, when he says that he used to be hip and cool, but then they changed what hip and cool was. And now he's not. <laughs> and now it all seems scra- crazy and scary <laughs> yeah, to me. Yeah. Or something like and it will happen to you. Um, <laughs> and so at some point, I'm sure this will happen to me. Mm. Uh, and in all of us, at some point, I will no longer. I will be the you know the old person being like, "This is you know, I will I will create our version of building a pipeline to your heart." <laughs> um, it's, it's going to be a sad day. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can we? Can we? Do we have time just to pause on that for a minute? Because one of the one of the things that I really don't understand, um, and maybe it's maybe it's just because I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Maybe this is more of a feeling. That was your mistake. Maybe this is more of a feelings thing. Mm. I get told that a lot. I get told I overthink things. I do, frankly. I do. Right. Fair enough. It's a fair criticism. I overthink things and, and I don't uh, I don't necessarily immediately just go to my feelings on things. Mm. Uh, Barbara's going to help with that. <laughs> we're going to work on that. We're going to get you feeling. Yeah. But, but like here's what I understand. And it just seems like like it just makes me feel – and I, it's a feeling I don't want to have because I don't feel it's constructive. Mm. But it makes me feel that like everybody, quote unquote, on the other side are all children. Because, like, the argument is, hey, we have a problem with climate change. Uh, pipelines are strategic. Like, there's nothing inherent about pipelines. It's that, that uh, you know, attacking, quote-unquote, pipelines is a strategic decision to achieve a policy outcome, right? There's thought. There's words like policy. There's words with more than one syllable in it. And the reaction we get from opponents is, I love pipelines. And, I'm like, it just seems like a, you're, like, you're trying to tell a three-year-old they can't have cookies for dinner. It's like oh, – and, and, and yet, you know, we're the sort of ones that are, that are sort of accused of, like, not being in touch or, like, not having all the facts. But it's like when I see people wearing I Love Pipelines T-shirts, be like, I don't even understand what you mean by that. Well, and I think, to, I think in part the way to, to, the way to understand that is that the, what has happened somewhat effectively um, is that the, because pipelines have been a galvanizing force for the, for the, for the environmental movement, uh, I think it has become a symbol for the oil and gas sector everywhere. Um, and I think what's interesting and, and, and from what I think needs to be consistently remembered on the other side, and again, we've discussed this in the past, but is that when you talk to someone who is, say, running an oil and gas company uh, about, about the fact that they can't you – know, that they need to scale back or anything that might hurt their business, one of their thoughts is I employ 2,000 families and those families are going to need to eat tomorrow. What am I going to do? Like you become responsible for them to some extent, right? Um, and and I, so I think – it's 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 a defensive response, um, and I think that's you know I think that's what happens a lot of times that we get into the scenario where both sides are being defensive, both sides sort of you know w- w- weed down the other person's op- op- opponent's position um, instead of constructively sort of coming to a to an actual have an actual conversation. And again, part of this also is because we can't agree on a single underlying fact. To start a conversation, like that's mm-hmm. the problem, yeah. right? The problem is not the problem is not necessarily it's pipelines or something like that. It's that if you put p- a person who wears an "I love" you know uh, pipeline T-shirt uh, in a room with uh, you know he, probably even one of us, it would be very difficult to get to a point where we agreed on a single underlying fact that you could then build compromise up from. Because if you don't agree that climate change – if you don't think climate change is existing, then of course all of our solutions are ridiculous. Yeah. Like if you don't believe climate change is happening, then what we're basically saying is change everything for no reason. But like what, I guess what I was getting at was I don't understand why I'm the only person I've ever heard say – and I'm not, I'm not saying no one else has said it. I'm, I'm the only one I've ever heard say and aside from you know similar comments from people on this show. But why is it – why am I – like where is the person who's – like – I understand there's going to be a variety of people, but I've never seen or heard from or, or read about a single person anywhere 
who says, hey, look, I hear where you're coming from, um, but I need a job. So let's find a way so that you know we can work on climate change, but I don't – I'm not put out on the street, which is what I keep proposing. But I never hear anyone like – I don't hear people do that. It's always like, you know, climate change is a problem, so stop pipelines or no, pipelines are great. But it's like, but we're not really like for for the quote unquote environmentalists, the pipeline thing is a means to a policy end. But the response isn't a is, isn't a counter policy or or like a, hey, here's a way we can address both issues. It's just I love pipelines. And that's why I, that's why it seems so childish to me, because it's like you're clearly not even understanding what we're talking about. And you're not telling me what your actual problem is. The problem is not that you have some deep romance affair with pipelines. It's that you have a job and I want you to have a job. Let's find a way we can have both things. And it just it's it's so preventative of actual conversation sorry Barbara. so how would you talk to a three-year-old i don't have a lot of experience talking to <laughs> right like you you would talk to a three-year-old by actually being like okay why does why does the cookie that you really want like i love cookies like why does that feel so important right because like to that kid at that moment this like this cookie represents something but they don't even know that that's what is happening for them they just feel like it's a life or death situation and that's the same kind of scarcity that's happening for people who are afraid around how they're going to support their employees to feed their families, right? So, like, I think that's where we need to drop down to is we need to remember, like, it's not actually about the content of pipeline or not pipeline. It's about, like, us uh, us on our side being afraid that, like, we're all going to hell in a handbasket and we're just not going to be around much longer as a human species. Uh, while on the other side, they're not worried they're going to be around. They're worried they're not going to be around tomorrow. Mm. They're not going to be able to put food on the table tomorrow. So, like, how do we, how do we support both parties and like actually naming the fear and the scarcity present in those everyday things. And I, and I also think there's a, there's a, there's a, you have to understand that there's a power, uh, or not, or there's, there's a, the people who are, are, are most vehemently defending, and there's certainly a number of people who just are vehemently defending pipelines because they want to make millions of dollars. Um, but at the same time, I think there's a, this, these people who are, who are, who are living off of, uh, off of this, um, have a full, life experience and the idea that you know they are going to spend you know they're going to work 40 45 at 45 these are like these aren't easy jobs these are you know these mm-hmm. are these are full time very bit difficult and very long term jobs um and and so the fact that they do that and then go home and then read policy briefings about how they might transition their their person job to something else is is isn't going to happen whether or not we want it or not isn't going to happen uh which i think why why the conversation Obvious must must be must be raised to, to to policymakers and stuff like that because like you can't expect a certain set of people um, from from the you know from the from the industry uh, to to do that in the same way that there's a huge percentage of people on on, on who agree with me and probably most things who also you know who would have no problem with with just saying let's just stop everything immediately you know there there are people who are I'm like. Neither side is 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 uh, innocent in the concept of of of, of building up these uh, you know these these straw men uh, just so they can rip them apart and feel great about themselves. I think right? I just decided what we this week's show title would be: is <laughs> hyperbole, hyperbole everywhere. <laughs> because it, because it's you know it's it's what's and what's I think the, the fundamental difficulty we have um, with with climate change right now is that the existential dread we feel in fear is so huge that it's hard not to understand everything else as hyperbole like to, to fully appreciate and to fully understand uh the the 
the the ways that we are we are ruining the planet currently is so beyond the scope of our normal discourse. You know, like normal discourse would be like, oh, we lost a thousand jobs. That's bad. Oh, we got a thousand jobs. That's good. Um, you know, or a hundred thousand jobs or, or whatever. Um, and, and those are all important. But when someone tries to tell you that the world is going to end, mm-hmm. um, which has been happening forever, um, it's hard not to see that. Look around the world. Look around your, your own life and be like, nope, everything still looks generally OK here. Um, and then respond with you must be you must be at least exaggerating, um, and so it's not like unless you unless you without a full blown attempt to actively and strongly educate um, our entire populace um, and and the, on 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 climate science and then also on uh, on on the way the climate science impacts our, our world. We're we're not going to have, be able to have these conversations um, with 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 the, with with everyone. Um, we can we can we can provide the resources and but there's going to be you know people are going to talk past each other all the time. Um, and I think that to sort of try to wrap this up, um, I guess I'll get to the other one and, the, and I'll get to the Alberta regulator uh, at the end of the show. But I think that what, what's important to remember is. That what we're seeing now, I think, especially from from these from the sectors that are the oil and gas sector, uh, especially, is that it it is losing the social license, um, and people and more and more people are beginning to understand that that transition has to happen. And although they're still desperately holding on to their to their to their profits now, um, it's it, what what's happening isn't going away until we do something. And whether or not that's three degrees or four degrees or six, we will stop burning fossil fuels. Yeah. And, uh, and ideally, it would be you know, way faster than that because six degrees global warming is terrifying. But I, I think, if we, I think we, we have a habit of seeing the, the oil and gas sector as this behemoth uh, of, of, of power and, and of, uh, of evil. Um, and I think it's almost better to see them as sort of like a, you know, you're the 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 out of touch, um, the out of touch organization that's trying to live in a world that existed 40 years ago still. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 when you approach it that way, I think you have a we're less scared of them, which I think is is valuable and will help with an actual real conversation. Um, but also, it, it provides a provides a lens to understand that. Th- they aren't irrational. They're rationally responding to a world that doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Um, and I think that dichotomy – and again, that's not exactly – like that, that's an important dichotomy uh, or difference to, 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 to illustrate uh, because that fact is um, – means that we can actually have a conversation. Uh, and, and you know maybe that now that unfortunately that conversation requires breaking down a lot of their worldview, um, or at least getting them to accept a part of ours, which is not going to be an easy one. But if we wipe them off all as irrational, uh, we we lose any hope of a conversation. Um, and so, I if anyone wants uh, to send me a Valentine's Day card, uh, you know the one with a picture of a turtle. <laughs> yes, only turtles. Um, but I will accept a pipeline to my heart. Mm. Um, but only this one time. 
<laughs> and and the next year we're on to solar panels to my heart. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so with that, uh, mm-hmm. we can we can find out what what are we listening to in this in this music break. All right. Good morning, everyone. This is. Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM, one of our wonderful and very appreciated community partner radio stations. Are many of our allies, uh, perhaps on uh, uh, someone is playing us uh, to the sound of tambourine somewhere? <laughs> Could be, and if not, you should do it. Yeah, you just, listener. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, let's take a take it take all all we do. Just put a nice little tambourine tap behind it <laughs> and re-upload it. In case you thought we scripted or prepared for the show in any significant way, you now know it's not when I say <laughs> weird, completely random things like that. Uh, Barbara Oroshna is going to join us now. Uh, I'm going to keep trying at that until I sound yeah, super Russian. Yeah, you just go Russian. for it. Um, <laughs> like seven people right now are cringing really badly. <laughs> Barbara's being really nice, though. Uh, Barbara is uh, going to run us through an exercise. So we're, we're going to be therapized live on the radio. This uh, uh, I'm feeling courageous this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so uh, brave of you. Barbara, you uh, also, uh, Stefan and I both work in completely unrelated departments at the Center for Social Innovation. You are a CSI member, and mm-hmm. so I see you at work. And some of our conversations uh, around that have what we've talked about was that you know is that sometimes people hold back uh you know especially on the radio but even in person sometimes for different reasons and sometimes because they're they're maybe not super confident about sharing depending mm. on your you know family background and sometimes in in often in my case it's because uh i'm just i'm just, i'm concerned that people will be terrified by my answer so i'm i've given you a commitment that i'm going to not self-censor today mm-hmm. um, so that means buckle up listeners <laughs> uh barbara it's all yours yeah great i mean just to jump off that and say that i think it's so important for us to share what it is that we're really thinking and feeling um, because it allows other people the permission to also be honest with their own experiences. Um, and that, I think, will lead us somewhere positive faster uh, because we're all, not all just trying to, like, show one another up with, like, well, my life is great. Well, my life is great. Well, my – and then we're just – we're lost cause because then we're not facing the reality of how tough um, – The current climate is on us. So what we're going to do today um, is we're going to play, I guess, kind of a bit of a game. Uh, So this is like a mix of tarot, therapy, um, and conversations about justice and and our own mental health and well-being uh, and how we really keep that mental health and well-being sustainable and positive throughout this difficult time uh, politically um, and this difficult time kind of like under – the Trump regime, especially in North America, but really in a way that feels like it's affecting everybody globally. Um, I think one of the conversations that I keep having with people is that it feels personal, um, is that this uh, this kind of turnaround in our society where like we are faced with the reality of just how many people are coming from a place of fear uh, and from a place of like protecting their own uh, rather than reaching out in love that that feels scary and feels like we've kind of like jumped back a couple decades. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to work with a deck of cards. Um, this is a deck of cards I created. I'll just be honest about that. Um, it's called Cards for Self-Care. Um, and so listeners, I want you to imagine that there's 36 uh, palm-sized cards in my hands. Um, they've got pretty watercolors on them. Um, but what they do is they they have a series of 36 different prompts for self-care. Um, so there's affirmations, things like, I'm already enough. There's prompts for writing, like write a love letter to yourself. Uh, prompts for movement, like pleasure yourself. 
whatever that means, because uh, I like to be a little cheeky. Um, and what we're going to do right now is I'm going to pass the cards over to Stefan, um, and I'm going to get him to hover his hands over the cards uh, and to do it like a little tarot style. Stefan, I'm actually going to get you to like he's like so ready it's so exciting you should see like he's like reaching for them before i've even given the instructions but Stefan has worked with them before um but specifically for right now the question i want you to pose for yourself internally is um what kind of self-care do i need to make it through this presidency that's the question um and then as you put your hands over the the cards i actually want you to like feel for heat so like move your hand around Glide it all the way around. And then just see which one you want to pull. Ooh, ooh, he's like being very careful about which one he gets. I like it. Okay, what'd you get? Read it to us. Uh, it's a ask card. So it's a question. Yeah. Uh, and it says, What lights me up? Oh. Yeah. Huh. What's that about? The, uh, what's that about? You made the cards. You should have made them. <laughs> You're um, the expert of yourself. That's <laughs> uh, like it's funny, actually. I think that's actually the, uh, what's interesting about about this question is I think that's that may actually be the this is how I respond to these things. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, is that I, I respond to uh, to fear and to um, uncertainty by action mm-hmm. uh, by doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the something's uh, change, and I think what lights me up, to be honest, is is bring people together. Hmm. Um, now that's in can be in small ways. Uh, it can be in sort of uh, more structured or unstructured ways. Uh, but I but what um, what's interesting about this question about what lights me up and, and, and how to in, how to to react to this to this to this term presidency mm-hmm. um, is that. Uh, next week, um, there will be a farewell to Honest Ed's party, uh, mm-hmm. which I signed up for to, to agree to be part of in August of last year, uh, at which I was pretty certain of a, of a Clinton presidency, which, you know, was going to be like, you know, the fine, OK, better than Trump presidency. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, we got the, oh, no, how do we get here? Trump presidency. Yeah. Um, but. What it has done, and it's ra- it's ramped up very much. You know, because the event is next week, it is going to be bringing thousands and thousands of people to Toronto, mm. in Toronto to come together to discuss and be a part of, um, to be a part of this experience. Uh, and, and its its premise is Toronto for everyone. Mm-hmm. Its premise is is this rejection of. Um, of, of exclusionary practices, it's it's a reject it's a it's a rejection of everything Trump ran on, mm-hmm. um, and and a an argument for that diversity is our strength, um, an argument that in that Toronto especially can be uh, could be turned into and made to be a space where that is that is truly Toronto for everyone, um, and and in by doing that it can be a light to the world to to see what a more inclusive world can look like, mm-hmm. and. Getting to to be with a whole bunch of people who who are willing to do that uh, and are willing to put all of his effort to it, and then simultaneously getting to then actually experience the fun of of this of the event itself, mm-hmm. right? There's there's a piece of this where what lights me up is not just the is in part the experience of doing the thing, but also like we can create our own fun, we can mm-hmm. create our own spaces, we can create uh, our own light. Um, in 
in in these in these times and and I think that the way to do that more often than not is to is to is to be fully open and honest and to bring uh, as many people as you can into your into whatever is giving you light to maybe give them some too mm-hmm. um, because that's that's the the only way that in you know if you look into the past about ways that people have re, have have responded to to you know oppressive regimes anywhere um one part of it is obviously protesting and in policy and 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 fighting through the channels and the power they have but the other way is you know is is the is the is is the rock concert in the underground basement that mm-hmm. that is banned by by whoever is running the space right the, the one part is these is this is this is this refusal uh to not still go out and party mm-hmm. <laughs> um and the refusal to sort of be to be tamped down mm-hmm. um and so that is what lights me up. That's amazing. But, I really hope you take like, I don't know, like, I mean, it's a four day festival, right? <coughs> and I really hope that you take some time every single one of those days to just like give yourself one of those, you know, slow-mo moments in movies where you slow the moment down and be like, I'm really going to soak this in right now. Because mm-hmm. I bet you that's going to be so nourishing. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That's, like, there's a, there's a value in the, the, those moments are the, are sort of what you live for in some sense, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Before I take a card, I want to just super quickly comment on Stefan's card, which mm-hmm. is the, the idea. And now I, people know that I can't go more than five minutes without reminding the listeners what a super giant nerd I am. <laughs> uh, but a very, very famous, uh, uh, anime from about 20 years ago called well it's it's had a number of remakes or whatever so people may be familiar with it called the ghost in the shell and i won't go through the, the storyline it doesn't matter but there's a there's a very quick scene which relates directly to what you were saying uh, about diversity and this sort of very much the canadian identity of course you know is the what's the word uh, uh not menagerie um uh, but there's the melting pot and there's the Oh, the mosaic. Mosaic, right? The sort of mosaic standpoint. is is not just a matter of like, okay, well, here's two different ways of doing it, and this is the one we've chosen arbitrarily, mm-hmm. uh, but it's actually empirically and demonstrably better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the diversity breeds, breeds strength isn't just a sort of helpful tagline. It is literally true. And it was made, what I'm thinking about was, you know, this whole idea about, um, you know, the things that succeed in nature are not the strongest, but the most re- most adaptable are the things that survive. And and diversity breeds adaptability, and it, and it re- allows us to learn from more broad, diverse set of things you know something that may not seem important now may end up being critical you know five minutes from now this piece of knowledge or this this experience or this other person's way of looking at things you might be the thing that you desperately need two minutes from now and so you should you should welcome it even if it doesn't seem immediately important to you personally right away and so the line from the from the film that i that i very much was thinking of was there imagine these two completely like basically not even human anymore but with a couple body parts like cyborgs like they've got like you know rocket launchers in their arms and whatever and there's these two guys and they're in a car and they're going off to do this whole special ops thing and there's one human one completely completely unaugmented human with them and the and the human's looking around he's new part of this team and he says to the to the two basically like super robots that he's in this van with he's like why do you guys have me here like what do you, why am i here <laughs> you you two are basically walking tanks you're completely uploaded to this like military satellite so you can like see blocks in advance and what like why am i here and without looking up the the main character of the anime says uh over specialization breeds weakness you're here because you're different and like, and then doesn't say anything else about it. And it's sort of left there. But that, that scene always really struck me is that, mm-hmm. you know, is that doesn't matter what you think you're good at or how many things are like, Oh, I'm so whatever, you know, we're good at this or whatever is that at the end of the day, the more diverse base you have, as far as things you can draw from, even if they don't seem important right now, mm-hmm. uh, will always 
you know, fill out the bottom of that pyramid and make us stronger. So it's not, it, it isn't just a tagline and it isn't just a sort of nice lefty sentiment. I think it is literally and empirically true that diversity is strength. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, that was longer than a moment, but I just, I feel really passionately yeah. about that. Yeah. Uh, I'll take my card. Yeah. Um, while you're pulling your card, um, I'm going to ask Stefan a question, which is uh, what gets in the way, how do you get in your way from actually accessing the things that light you up? <laughs> um, I think I, I think I over, um, in, in searching for these moments, I overextend myself, uh, to a point where I, where I can't actually, in, uh, I'm, I'm so busy without whatever the thing is afterwards. I can't actually fully appreciate what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, uh, that habit uh, of always trying to find the next thing, um, is, is, is the, is what keeps me sort of, is, is what, is, is what, inhibits my ability to really appreciate the, the, the moments I need to to, to re, sort of recharge my batteries to go out and do the next thing. Mm-hmm. So what can you appreciate right now without even like looking a week and a half ahead to right. the festival? Uh, I have this wonderful coffee. Yeah. Um, actually, it's not even that good of a coffee, um, <laughs> but it's, it's a nice coffee. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that. Yeah, and you actually weren't this morning because you true. were like, uh, I'm just going to rush, but so I can have a coffee. Yeah. That yeah. is actually accurate. <laughs> yeah, it's worth something. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Stefan. Yeah. Hey, what'd you get? Uh, so I got, uh, uh, unfortunately, we're, we're already running towards oh. the end of the thing, but I, I'm going to make time. Yeah. I'm going to make time. That's okay. So the card I got is a write card, mm-hmm. and it says, begin with comfort is and write freely, returning to the prompt as often as needed. Mm. Um, What's comforting to you? Whoa. Uh, or right now, actually, like comfort is go. <sighs> Comfort is, I think, uh, right now I'm feeling really big on like, like physical touch, like just making yeah. human contact with, with other human beings, um, seems really important. Yeah. Um, I spend, uh, thankfully much of my day, I'm a, I'm a chef by trade these days. Um, and, uh, and I get to see a lot of people, but I don't mm-hmm. physically, I generally have a knife in my hand, so people don't get to touch <laughs> me. Very often. Mm-hmm. I encourage them not to sneak up behind me, yeah. uh, among other things. Uh, and I think I'm really, I think one of the, that's one of the things that I've been sort of most, uh, uh, relishing. Yeah. I think has just been, cause everything seems so c- cerebral and, mm. and normally that's my safe space is mm-hmm. like, I retreat into my head because, you know, feelings or whatever can be very overwhelming and, mm-hmm. and, and I, and I like being cerebral. So that's sort of my safe space is to mm-hmm. like, you know, be in my head a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a very easy thing for me to do. That's like, it's not challenging. It doesn't feel like I'm pushing boundaries. It's something that you can do even if you're not feeling safe, mm-hmm. uh, that's immediately grounding, uh, and, and can create safety, mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily forcing me out of my safe space. So, you know, mm. it can still be in my head, but sort of adding that can sort of, it's like that, that tether on the balloon. Huh. It's uh, almost like it grounds you. Almost literally. Yeah. Almost yeah. literally. Yeah. Be- before I float away with my own head. No yeah. ego jokes, Stefan. <laughs> so what gets then real quick, like what gets in your way of having more physical touch in your life? Uh, um, yeah, I think just uh, the hectic nature of the organization of my life. Yeah. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. Uh, it's it's something I, I really have to uh, – I have to strive to make space for where there's, that's even possible. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, CSI is also a very like hippy-dippy in a literal sort of way. And so you get away with just randomly walking up and hugging people, like not complete yeah. strangers. But it's like – it's 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 uh, it's very unlike most offices 
uh, in the sense that people are very sort of open and, and most of the relation I, I, there's basically I don't think I've shaken somebody's hand. Stefan, when would you say the last time you shook somebody's hand was as opposed to, you know, hugging them hello or whatever? The for, for people that I aside from like new clients. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not there. Although there's a funny story about randomly a, a different person randomly hugging everyone who walked in. Um, but uh, uh I feel like there was probably someone, but it hasn't been at least someone like someone that you know. It's not a, you, you, it's not very common, that's for sure. Mm, mm, yeah, I always know you're good for a hug. I'm, when uh, I'm yeah. stopping by the cafe. I'm like, yep. As long as you can wait a second so I can put my knife down, yeah. I will. I will make time for that. Yeah. Well, then, uh, yeah, I'd be curious to hear in the next couple of weeks as I see you around, like how you're making space for that in your life. Yeah. You well, you know the you know the aprons that say "Kiss the Cook." I think yeah. I'll get Brescia side a brand new one that says <gasps> "Hug the Chef." Yes. Oh, I love that idea. Oh, it's so simple. Aprons and coffee, babes. That's what it comes back to. Tanya and Adil, if you're listening to the show, <clears throat> a little 10, 10 $15 a budget, if you please. Uh, all right. So um, what we're going to have to end it there as far as this section goes, but we're going to keep sort of bringing this sort of extra t- feeling-y vibe show, I think, for you today. I'm good for the feelings. And uh, there's our music break. We're back. <laughs> and, no. All right. Uh, Kay, you've got our second music break for us. All right, second music break, we'll be listening to Elephant Head by Cold Specs. All right, we are back into the final home stretch here, sadly, because I was really enjoying uh, Barbara has inspired me to take a very lackadaisical approach to, uh, lackadaisical approach to today's show. Um, so uh, my pondering with Stefan cut off one of his two news stories, and, and we didn't get to, We're not getting to anything. Can we do a three-hour show today? Yeah, I'm sure that's that's fine. I think if we just keep going, they they will not cut us off. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they'll just leave us going. Okay, so what, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to – I have some notes. Uh, I don't want to do an entire show without any news because there are important things going on in the world. Um, but I don't. I, I'm also really just feeling today's vibe. So, what, we're, as a as a sort of uh, uh, hybrid, as a as a what's the word? I'm just not doing hybrid. Words seems today. to be perfectly usable word. For uh, us. As a compromise, that's ah, what I'm looking for. I'm just not. I'm failing at words today. That's okay. You're doing great. Thanks, Barbara. <laughs> Can you just follow me around and say that every few minutes? You're doing great. I really appreciate that. You're doing great. Barbara's available, by the way, for for parties and. Uh, You're doing great, <laughs> listener. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to try and wrap it. I'm going to try and keep the, my goal is to keep this to under, uh, under about six or seven minutes. So rapid fire right through. So, uh, obviously a couple of big news items this week was that Donald Trump met with Justin Trudeau. Uh, the most, uh, notable thing was of course, was that there seemed to be really bending over backwards here to not mention climate change. So, um, standing together, they, uh, uh, said something about their, you know, paid tribute to their, their ability to negotiate specifically environmental treaties with the U S and then referenced the 1991 air quality agreement, making no mention whatever, whatever of the 2015 Paris accord. Um, and they were talking about, uh, all sorts of, they specifically went back to, uh, environmental treaties repeatedly, uh, not going anywhere near climate change. Uh, and then also, um, uh, talking about, uh, cross, uh, to, enhance uh, energy cooperation in the great lakes border region and on projects such as keystone xl so we may talk we're going to talk about this ongoing so i won't sort of go over it i think you know what a lot of my comments on that are other than the fact that i will add um that i'm sort of i'm gonna hold my breath for five minutes with uh, with jt on this one mm-hmm. um because i i have to acknowledge that he's he's trying to juggle a live grenade and while i haven't been blown away uh by his assessment uh by his treatment so far uh, I do want to give him the space to understand that he has no idea what the hell to do and neither does anybody else. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it's it, this one time I'm going to cut him some slack <laughs> because I don't know what I would say. Uh, yeah. So not thrilled, right. but 
that important qualifier. And I think we'll leave it there for now. Uh, I will just add, however, that um, uh, Elizabeth Mays, uh, the one point that I think was a really good point uh, was um, – I think I'm quoting Ms. May here, but unfortunately I, I cut it off. So I believe this is Elizabeth May saying there's definitely coded language that suggests that climate action is not off the table. Uh, yes, uh, said May, uh, who called Trudeau's meeting with Trump a good start, uh, especially considering Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull's raucous phone call. So, yeah, I think that, <laughs> I think within that and I read that and I was like, ah, you know what? That's fair. I like how even the opposite, the, the opposing party leaders are like, yeah, this is a lot. <laughs> okay, we're not. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's fair. And of course, you know, and, and it made a good point saying that uh, Brian Mulroney uh, took several years to convince Ronald Reagan uh, on the acid rain treaty. So, okay. So let's, let's pause and breathe on that one. Uh, uh, really problematic. Two things going on with regulators right now. One is the uh, Alberta regulator uh, failing to report uh, accurately spills. A uh, The request of a First Nation uh, study was commissioned um, of the Alberta energy regulator, not reporting accurately the scale or impact of spills. Uh, some of the important details here is that uh, the regulator uh, was, was uh, reviewed to have uh, not provided, quote, the public with accurate, credible, complete, unbiased, or timely information, and it fails to responsibility to protect the environment. Uh, this has uh, included uh, routinely uh, reporting that 100% of spill contaminants had been recovered, which is uh, just, first of all, that's just not possible. We don't need a study to say that. So that's that's on its face. We know that's not true, uh, but that there's a lot of evidence to the contrary. Uh, this is a desmog report. Desmog reports generally come with a lot of detail. So if you're interested in the nuance here and the actual numbers, I will simply refer to that, which is on the website as usual. Uh, but a couple of really big numbers uh, was it worked out was that across the province, uh, we're looking at about an average of about 42,000 barrels of oil spilled uh, and uh, across 400,000 well sites. So that's annually over uh, getting over 42,000 barrels a year on average, uh, as far as they can track. Uh, and that's just in Alberta. Uh, and there was 23,000 burials uh, of diluted uh, bitumen spilled into the Kalamazoo River in just 2010 alone, just from Enbridge, uh, which cost a little bit more than a billion dollars to clean up. So some problems there. Um, and the final quote, which I think was good, was that the uh, the lead investigator here is, um, was saying is that the regulator's claim of full recovery is, quote, patently false, which is uh, sounds about right to me. So for details on that, check the website. The next one is a BC Hydro let off the hook for $400,000 site C dam fine again. Um, I have here and I made notes for a there's a full page of lists of areas where there's either been a failure to uh, properly adhere to their own regulations, uh, several instances of fines that either were paid or should have been uh, levied, but just simply just weren't. Uh, they should have been. They feel fit all the criteria and simply weren't assessed. Uh, over All told, we're looking at about nine different instances here uh, of fairly major uh, problems. So I'll just go through one of them because that's all we have time for. Uh, is that One of them, uh, Ken Boone, a Peace uh, Valley Landowner Association president, said questions remain about the effects of construction on uh, the water quality in the Peace River and its tributaries. Quote, there are ongoing concerns with silt from the project. There are many concerns that have not been addressed with machines working directly in the river and creating silt. Uh, being one of the major problems, and in other areas, there were silt embankments made, which is part of the uh, recommendation, uh, part of the regulation, the requirement uh, protect the environment and waterways, and then had uh, access roads uh, plowed right through them. So it's like we're gonna let's build a wall, let's you know big southern border wall, and then let's put giant holes in it every fifty meters so that people can more easily get through. Um, so really, there's there's some extremely. This isn't a matter of I think. Uh, you know, not somebody making a mistake. Uh, this seems to be a chronic ongoing problem of uh, either some just absolute incompetence 
uh, or some contempt for the public, thinking that no one will care or will notice uh, that these things are uh, are being violated. So Site C continues uh, to have a just a laundry list of problems associated with it. Again, we'll link to that uh, item as well. And then my very last one here. Oh, I'm at six minutes, perfectly on time. So this is this is the one that I wanted. I made sure I wanted to get to, which was because this was my pipeline company, uh, not just a pipeline company, but the Canadian Energy Pipeline Association, uh, whose 12 members own uh, almost 120,000 kilometers of oil uh, and natural gas across Canada, uh, want Ottawa to put a new national interest determination before technical review uh, and assessment of any uh, projects. Now, this on its face, I had an immediate reaction to that Stefan knows why, because uh, national interest, of course, uh, under some of the laws that Harper was trying to put forward and under C-51, uh, we're basically saying that, you know, th- this very similar language was used to essentially say was that if this is national interest infrastructure, we can then, if you then try and protest it, we can then use that to charge you with terrorism. And so that's why I had an immediate, like, hair standing up reaction to this. Uh, but I'm actually not terrified. Um, what they're essentially saying was public con- – now, this is based on some studies, uh, quoting here from the SEPA submission. Public confidence in environmental assessments, assessments has become impaired in part because of broad public policy issues that have not been addressed at the political level and cannot be addressed satisfactorily through project reviews. So the SEPA itself is also saying that essentially agreeing that the regulation and the approval process is significantly broken, uh, which I think is an important step. Now, what they replace it with is also important. But I don't necessarily disagree. What they're saying is, um, is that there should be a step uh, reviewing national uh, nat- national interest, which reviews the if question: uh, sh- is this project actually to the benefit of Canadians? Before they discuss the how. And no, generally, what's happening right now is that the National Energy Board is only talking about the how which is how they get away with removing, like being able to say, well, okay, well, we can't talk about climate change because that's outside the scope. And they're right. Uh, so when they say we should have another step in addition to that, uh, that asks the question if, uh, and that that should come before the how conversation, I actually completely agree. My one major problem before I go uh, uh, throw it basically, basically back here to Stefan for comment and possibly uh, moving on to his final story. Here's my one problem. Uh, is that uh, one of the things they were showing was that uh, uh, where's here? Uh, so uh, based on a number of studies that were done, uh, November 2016 uh, 16 studies specifically by Canada West Foundation and University of Ottawa found that local issues, not broad topics like climate change, are usually the reason for opposition to large energy projects. Quote, while many commenters continue to assume that concerns about climate change drive local opposition, our research shows that this is not the case. Um, Opposition more often centers on safety, the project's need, the distribution of benefits and local environmental impacts like water uh, contamination. And that I don't agree with. Now you say, well, now you're disagreeing with a study. No, 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 no. But what, what I, where I think this is now being misinterpreted, and, and I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, doubt of just misunderstanding this at this point, um, is that – no, no, no. Because what's happened is that because of the types of ways that we – the types of avenues that people have to oppose projects – on the ground level, all these resistance options, line nine being a good example, those are the only ways in which they had any traction, right? Like, if the, like we were saying earlier, because of the way the review process was set up, you can't go to the line nine community consultant uh, consultation meeting with a paper that says, I'm terrified about climate change, right? So people who are opposed to it, in many cases, probably because of climate change, had to come up with or or highlight, we could say, 
the local issue because that's the only one that was being reviewed. And so for them to come now back and say, look, well, all the all the complaints we're getting are all about local health issues is because we've essentially had to train an entire generation of activists to focus on those things because that was the only area of attraction. And so I think looking at that, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with the findings of the studies, but I'm disagreeing with their conclusions in that, no, I think it really is about climate change. It's just that those are all the things we've had to teach people to resist on and to to talk about because those are the only avenues we had to actually have those uh, concerns admitted. Uh, so I'm I'm optimistic and willing to hold my breath on on this actual rollout. I'm tentatively even in agreement with this rollout, uh, but I am concerned about uh, that aspect of it. Is that is that they're assuming. Um, that based on that study that, that people aren't actually concerned about climate change. And, and I actually don't think that's true. Stefan. Uh, yeah. So I'm just going to just to make sure we get to this last story. I'm just going to keep moving. And the last story is, is an interesting one largely because it's a, an example of a regulator doing his job, which is great. Everyone loves that. Uh, well, I guess like a lot of people love that. I'm sure some people don't love that. I love that, I guess is more accurate. Um, and, um, but also a story of, of, of the sort of one – another example of some of the unintended costs uh, that, can, that come from, uh, from, from the oil and gas industry and from not fully understanding, not fully encapsulating costs when you, when you price these things out. So the – what has happened is that the Alberta Energy Regulator um, has suspended operations of natural gas and crude oil producer Lexin Resources. Um, which leaves up more than 1,600 well sites, pipeline segments, and other facilities uh, to be cleaned up or sold off. And this is interesting because there's two points to this, right? The first is this is an example of a you know a company which was given many many opportunities to to, to quote unquote clean up their act uh, and and failed to do so. Uh, they failed to comply with orders made by the regulator to address hydrocarbon spills and, and at its sour gas facility, um, and also to close abandoned wells and even to pay its administration fees or, or its security deposit uh, for for well reclamation. So this is a consistently negligent company, and and yet somehow they were still able to get you know one thousand three hundred eighty well sites, two hundred one pipeline licenses, and eighty and, and, and eighty one facilities, um, all of which have now just been given back, basically, or been forced to be given back. And so, so, so first let's, let's, let's realize that, that this is a company that basically managed to grow this big while c- ignoring things for, for quite some time. Um, it's all, you know, they, 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 they probably weren't ignoring it the entire time. They probably grew and then started ignoring, but still, like they, they're, they're not a super, super small player. And, and yet what's interesting is that even the argument that's made consistently uh, by these uh, by by oil and gas companies are trying to get trying to get access to more wells and more stuff is that they will they will fix this. They're basically, they're like, look, we'll go in and get the oil, and then it'll be look exactly like new. It will be pristine once more. Um, and and what's important to note is that a why even so that we, even, when that does happen, that's that's sure that's fine. Um, and in a, we, occasionally when it doesn't happen, uh, it often doesn't happen and it doesn't happen for quite some time and all those other issues. But this other point is that when it doesn't happen and then you so badly that they then have to take it over, now it's on the taxpayers to pay all of this. You know, it's not just that the reclamation might cost more or anything like that. It's that there are now – the Alberta government is now responsible for paying back or for paying to to deal with, with, with capping all these wells and dealing with all these well sites um, because – because of a regulation issue, 
so it, what's, 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 what's nuts about this is that not only are we failing to um, properly cost in the demand to then to do this to these prices when they if you don't if you then don't do it we then have to pay for it it's, it's, it's almost as if we're paying for it um we're exp- you're arguing you'll you, you'll do it and then when you don't do it your punishment is to still not have to do it which you have to realize that of course people are not going to start paying and you in the, uh, this is a a system that is made to be not made intentionally, but is 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 ripe for the uh, to some extent for the for the taking, and that you know if Le- if Lexan isn't going to be held responsible, and if Lexan isn't going to have to actually you know forget losing their access to the wells, how about actually paying for the cleanup of these sixteen hundred companies, sixteen hundred wells? And I bet um, that CEO still got a several million dollar bonus that year. I don't know that. I'm just right. assuming. Um, yeah, it, like it, it's just it's just one of those things where it's you know we're. we're we're now we're we're talking about expanding oil the oil sense production at the same time we're talking about uh about trying to f- figure out what to do with shutting down these 600 wells and and every one of these every time we do one of these things every time we we, we talk about this uh, uh, these expansions stuff like that these are types of things that are also coming in um and so full cost accounting has to include this as well all right that's it we're literally out of time uh the bonus show is going to be we're going to actually pull a card for trump that will be our bonus show we're going to play the card game uh for trump himself stay tuned for the bonus show other than that have a good green week folks thank you so much for listening uh, we appreciate your ears and uh, check out the website find all the links to all the great news stories we have on there thanks for listening and have a good green week alright that's it for the regular program we didn't get to nearly as much news as I would have liked but I was really just too much uh, in the zone I think with feelings today so uh, we just we just let it happen we continue that into the bonus show here so I, I already told you what it will be uh, just a quick reminder of course that if you appreciate our show we very much would appreciate you signing up and being a Green Majority member you can do that at patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Green Majority and become a member and support the show today other than that enjoy the bonus show All right, we're live now in the bonus show. Bonus uh, show. Barbara and Stefan are here, but uh, Stefan, as usual, as we've been teasing, is super busy and has to run. So we're going to keep this yeah. tight. We're going to keep it tight. Stefan, uh, hold on. Sorry, talk again? Yeah. Oh, there you are. I'm Sorry, gonna... I wasn't actually facing the mic. That's why. Uh, no, you were also down a little low. Now we're good. All right. So, Barbara, yeah. I'm going to leave it to you. We're going we're gonna to pull a card for Trump. Yeah. You want to know why? Yes. Because if you're doing that much damage, it must mean you're in a hell of a lot of pain. Yep. So uh, we're going to pull a card for Trump because I think one thing that we're discussing today and that we've been uh, talking about, like the subcontext of what we're talking about. Subcontext, is that a word? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is that um, recognizing that people are coming from a place that they're coming from for reasons uh, and seeing that helps us actually hear them and have stronger, better conversations. I pulled a right card. Oh, and this is interesting. Okay, so the card has a bun. The cards have a bunch of different prompts, working on different, basically, skills and emotional intelligence. And this is like one of the main mindfulness cards in the entire deck. Uh, and it's a writing exercise that says this: describe this moment in detail. The view from where you sit, the weight of the pen in your hand, the smell of the paper and ink, the beating of your heart. Are you sure you didn't choose that specifically? <laughs> no. Wow. I really like the like. Well, Trump has the best words. So he is going to mm. use the bigliest words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like the smell of the paper and the ink. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about how ridiculous that is considering yeah. Yeah. that his job right now? Is yeah. <laughs> a lot of a lot of pen and ink. A lot of pen and ink. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious about it because it makes me wonder about how out of his body right now he is mm. and how not 
accessible to the present moment he is and how he's just he's well he's yeah. always felt like he's just reacting right there's mm-hmm. never been a there's never been a time where it feels like he's he's pl- like he's centered and mm. then planning forward right mm-hmm. it, I, I feel like and and maybe this is maybe I'm reading this wrong and, and maybe there's a piece of this that's not true um but like it it every time he he just so often he's just reacting to exactly what has happened directly before him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even when you got a question, you know, he gets a question at, at a at a at a press conference, and then just starts making things up. And the person's like, "You're just making things up," and he's like, "No, I'm not." Mm-hmm. And, and and it's like, I love lamp. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's got to a point where I I I, I don't I don't know what he would write about if he tried to describe what he mm-hmm. was doing right I, I like he is he is so he's i've never even and maybe i'm not reading the right things but i've never even seen him sort of try to explain the, the his own experience at all yeah there's there's absolutely no self-reflection there's a great meme out there that was talking about the like prayer breakfast or something i don't yeah. know if you saw it yeah where and he, it was like obama's paired with his and obama's like talking about his personal reflection and what he's been thinking about and trump is just like off trump trump uh i believe asked everyone to pray for arnold schwarzenegger yes, because his ratings it. for the new celebrity oh. apprentice was too low yeah. and but i think that tells you a lot about I mean, it is something we already knew, but it it continues to tell us something about him, which is that his only measure of self worth mm-hmm. is is some version of ratings. I mean, that's why he comes back to the poll numbers constantly. I mean, he and I don't even know if he meant to do this, and I, I think you can make an argument that he did, and he was actually distracting. But it's possible, like somebody, a, a Jewish reporter asked him recently about you know the rise of anti semitism and to comment on it, and he literally spent five minutes talking about his his poll numbers. He didn't even acknowledge the question, and I think to some degree that was a dodge because because he is anti-Semitic. I, that's my belief. Uh, but I think also it's because that is literally the only metric by which he understands anything, right? Mm-hmm. Every show, it's about the ratings. And and now the, the polls, quote-unquote, are his only form of self-assessment. And for the first time in his life, um, he's not seeing what he wants to see, or he, mm-hmm. he can't... It's not that everything he's ever touched has turned to gold. If In fact, a, an investigation of his past would show you quite the opposite. But he's always been insulated from that, right? And he's always been able to, you know, his show, even though it was terrible, you know, did get, it was a very big show, right? It was a mm-hmm. bigly show. And, and, and for the first time in his life, he's being confronted by the only metric by which he knows how to measure himself uh, is not, it, it's not even okay. It's bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he's having a, a personal constitutional crisis. I think he's in the middle of, uh, for the first time, he's 76 years old, something like that. He's in his 70-something, yeah. And and for the first time in his life, he's confronted by the fact that, that he's not doing good at something and he has no one else he can blame it on. Mm. And I, I think he's – I think the last month has probably been the most brutal month of his life uh, because it's the first time he's ever had to sort of con- maybe even consider the thought that he's not the best at everything. Mm. Well, and I, I think that I, there's – a conversation interesting about what he was you know what he was like in the 80s and 90s is that he was always trying to be like one of the one of the cool people and failing um and i think to some extent like you know i feel like it's, it's a way just patholo- we're, we're pathologizing uh totally um 
his his reaction is like perhaps it's, it's it's quite honest about so that he just doesn't have emotions. Um, um, I know I don't think that's likely, but you know mm-hmm. it's, it's theoretically possible. Um, but it's 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 he's an example of this person who you know I'm sure has decided he was amazing and then had to prove it and then people he kept getting hints that people didn't really believe him but he kept getting away with stuff so he kept probably like convincing himself that actually he was fine but people kept you know like I felt like he, I feel like he's sort of always felt like sort of not exactly where he's like he's like I don't think any any self-satisfaction comes mm-hmm. internally from this man mm-hmm. like I don't think he has any ability to feel internally self-satisfied yeah. um at least he certainly hasn't shown it, um, and and so yeah. So it's, I mean, I th- that sounds like such a sad and lonely existence if we really think about it. You know, well, the, I, the only joy he's been able to express is the fact is that uh, tomorrow he's going to be holding a campaign rally. And the reason he's doing that is because that is the only pleasure he's been able to get. That's the only self-affirmation he's been able to get is to go out and stand in front of a bunch of sycophants who are cheering his name and will cheer him no matter what. I mean, I think really that is the only joy he's able to get from his Mm -hmm. life right now. And that's why he's holding a campaign event after already having won the presidency is because that was what he was getting off on for the last year was being able to go to crowds. Like he was saying like, oh, forget the poll. Like whenever someone would bring up a poll number that, that at the time didn't look good for him, he would say, yeah, but look at these crowds. I think really, like, I think I think the crowds and being able to go around and having all these people cheer his name brought him up so high in a way that he's never really been able to experience, right? Even after all the TV and everything, I think there's been this nagging, you know, childish nagging self-doubt. And when he went there, he was just like, oh, I am invincible. I am the greatest. And now he got into office and it all fell away. And I think that's why he's holding this event tomorrow is because he's just desperately trying to cling on to this high he had to have for a year where he was the, you know, the hottest thing in town. So what do we what do we do then? The question is for me, like, what do we do for all those that are living in that reality and striving for power and for control in order to just fill their own cup of self-worth? Well, what do we do for them? He, he's the living embodiment of toxic masculinity. Yeah. So what do we do? What do we do for toxic masculinity? Uh, um, I think um, you—it's difficult, right? I think you—I think you can—I think you can—you can train and and teach and 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 be with um, the young people to for today to, to to steer them off sort of that kind of path. Um, now, what you do for a seventy-something-year-old man uh, who's lived this way his entire life is an entirely different question. I don't mm-hmm. actually have an answer for. Uh, I think we can save a lot of people now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even having a word for it, I think, is helpful because it sort of helps you sort of understand it as a concept. Um, because, like, yeah, to some extent, what what are you what are we doing? You know, like what are, what is he like? What is anyone like? If you can't, if you're if you're so f- concerned about making this next thing matter, um, then then you're never going to be you're like he, you're never going to get the next thing that works, right? Like he like Trump just does a bunch of things and then fails at half of them, claims he succeeded anyways, and do the, does the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's like such a it's a, it's, it's it's the quintessential version of a rat race uh, of mm-hmm. like you know of of of, of never of never stopping. Um, and I think just creating a society where pausing and breathing mm-hmm. and, you know, literally what this card says um, is what you do, right? You create a society where people are encouraged, kids are encouraged, students are encouraged, everyone is encouraged to every once in a while stop and describe the space around them. 
you know, um, because that's the way to to not try to be constantly, you know, like as I said earlier, I I I struggle with this. Mm-hmm. I struggle with the idea that that I, my validation comes from external success. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. And and I, and I, and so I, I I understand that sort of concept of like I'm gonna keep trying things and then keep, and then the you know things don't work moving on next thing, yeah. um, but you know it's that mo- but being able to find that like compassion comes from an ability of of, of being centered um, and the ability to be compassion compassionate I think in part comes from the ability of feeling secure in yourself. Well. If I can add to that, is that like the actual definition of compassion is to suffer with. Mm. So it actually, the security comes from being comfortable with failure, with discomfort, with feelings of of not being good enough. That's what we're actually aiming for. We're not aiming for us just noticing and describing what's around us and kind of being blasé about it, but we're actually noticing our own suffering in it Mm. and then saying like, damn self, that must be really hard. I'm so sorry. So that we don't feel like we have to make the failure look like a success. So we can just let the failure be failure, be kind to ourselves and then imagine a way forward that might be of greater service to ourselves and others. Right. Yeah. Which is, if anything, the thing Trump can't do, you know, he cannot accept anything is not the greatest thing ever, despite Every yeah. every piece of evidence contrary to yeah. that. It's like a really, really, really nasty version of like self positivity washing, yeah. which yeah. is just like also so bad for our mental health, <laughs> and, and also so popular with pop psychology right now. Yeah. I think I think that perhaps informs a bit of a strategy, which is that uh, I, I apologize uh, to to folks for for getting this wrong, but I, I don't recall if it was Martin Luther King's daughter or granddaughter. I believe it's granddaughter, but recently put out a suggest a list among another much larger post a list of uh, a list of suggestions on dealing with Trump, and one of them was don't you know say him by name or whatever that's i think generally good but we can't really do that on this program so sorry because i know a couple listeners uh, wrote into us as well it's it, we're a news show we it's not possible to do that it, it becomes uh, it makes it unclear <laughs> what we're talking about so we have to do that but I, I think generally for individuals that maybe is a good idea a uh, number of other good ones on there one of them was don't talk about him talk about the the administration mm-hmm. uh, and the reason for that was there's a couple of points she brought up and one of them was that um this also puts pressure on the rest of the republic Republicans mm-hmm. to say we're holding you all account so that was sort of her angle my mm-hmm. angle on this is that I think it's also like for Trump it's so personal everything is so personal mm-hmm. it's about him personally not about the office of the president not about the United States it's about Donald that that may have an additional benefit that she didn't identify which is that if we can make it not about him he won't be so reactionary and we might actually get him to back off some of this stuff it's sort of like it, like the way that Kellyanne Conway works mm-hmm. is that she like it's like spinning, right? And so you say, uh, like, you know, if Stefan uh, didn't want to come to dinner later, and I sent him a bunch of messages saying it's so great that you that I'm going to hopefully get to see you later, you know, you know, and I understand that maybe you can't come, but I'm looking so forward to seeing it, right? Like, so instead of being like you're a bastard for canceling on me, Stefan, mm-hmm. right? You're sort of like you're saying like I'm so happy that you did this thing, and really what you meant is what you mean is I want you to do this thing, and you're trying to like preemptively give praise for something that hasn't been done yet to sort of use that 
praise that you've already given as a carrot to lead the person in the right direction to where you mm. actually want them to be. Uh, and so that, that may actually be the way forward is, is that maybe back off it personally. I understand that that makes us heart sick because some of the just insanely hurtful and hateful mm-hmm. things that he's doing, but it might actually be the most resilient strategy is to stop making it about him uh, because he will simply listen more and will react better uh, mm-hmm. if he doesn't think he's being personally blamed, even yeah. if it is actually his fault. Whew, that's a big call out that you're putting out there. Yeah. But I mean, also like pair that with focusing on actually what lights us up and what feeds us and what nourishes us to do our good work in the world. So we're not like it also frees us from from like the like, let's just sit and talk about him for 20 minutes and like wasting our energy on that stuff because because that's not how I want to spend my energy. I want to spend my energy supporting more folks to develop their emotional intelligence so they don't have breakdowns so they can do cool stuff with their lives. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we were talking about kids earlier and you're like, you know, how would you talk to a three-year-old? And I, th- I think I, I don't even mean it in a condescending way. I think we really have to think about it that way. How yeah. would you, you know, if there was a kid in class who was being a bully and was, you know, emotionally, you know, acting out and whatever, and maybe they had a bad situation at home and, you know, do you yell at them? No, that just reinforces the bad. You just, you stand your back up, they stand theirs more up. It's this, you know, yeah. that I was very much that kid, right? Yeah. It was, oh, you want to push me? I'm going to push you back twice as hard. Mm-hmm. I was that kid, right? I wasn't necessarily, oh, not even necessarily, I wasn't a bully, but mm-hmm. I was, I, I acted out a lot. And a lot of it was that, like, it was just a willpower thing. Like, I'm going to outwill you. <laughs> and it didn't matter what it was. If you challenged me, I was like, I'm twice, I'm going to do it twice as much. and 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 so i understand that even though i i i'm not as bad at that these days in my life and i and i'm much more aware of that and i've i've made progress there i still actively have to do that i very much understand that reaction and i feel like that's like we have to stop baiting him Uh, well you just wanted to prove yourself and he he wants to prove himself and so when you do that when you do whatever he can to do that you know you you don't you don't pull him in the office and yell at them you Mm -hmm. you just take them aside and and you know, and say, how can we create a space? You know, what are your needs? Where are you hurting? How can we help that? Mm-hmm. And it's really painful, especially if that kid, yeah. you know, the thing they did to act out was deflate, you know, the tires in the teacher's car and you're that teacher, you might want to just smack the kid around yeah. in your, in your Or worse, yeah, they like hit another kid in the classroom yeah. because that's even more painful, you know? Yeah. And maybe, maybe it was your kid, yeah, you know, and exactly. you're the parent of that kid yeah. and you really yeah. just want to like in your, in yeah. your emotions, you just want to slap yeah. the kid around, but it's not, not only does it not the right thing to do it also doesn't it also just makes the problem worse even Mm -hmm. if it's really where just how you're feeling right there that feeling doesn't doesn't uh, amount to the outcome you want and we have to think about the outcome we want and not our emotional reactions to things that are happening and that doesn't mean pretend they're not happening and that doesn't mean acknowledge that they're terrifying and hurtful uh, but expressing that to him may not be constructive Mm -hmm. um, despite our emotional needs (laughs) yeah i think that's accurate Thanks for having me on the show, guys. It is a pleasure, Barbara. You've been requested to return, and we will have you again. That's (laughs) nice. It's been lovely. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye.